Well, I want to wish everybody a very happy Sunday morning. I hope that you have come with a mindset to worship our good and our great God this morning as we have opened our mouths together in song and in prayer as we have gathered around the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in thanksgiving and in humility for what God has done for us, knowing that we could not do that for ourselves. And we have come together this morning as we have just sung to think about some ancient words. As we look at some words this morning that were spoken, that were uh, spoken to uh, people that were living in the first century almost 2,000 years ago, and yet these words hold weight, these words hold significance for us in our lives because they are words from God. If you have your New Testament with you this morning, I would invite you to open to the passage that our brother Todd has read for us already this morning from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 is where we will be here in just a moment. Some of the hardest lessons, I think, for us to learn as we walk through this life are lessons related to obedience. Wherever we are on the spectrum of life, whether we are a child, that certainly can be a challenge that can be difficult for us to learn lessons that perhaps our parents or others who are in authority over us are teaching us about obedience. But even if we are an adult, if we learn anything all, at all about obedience, it is usually the hard way, isn't it? And sometimes those of us who are parents, as we're trying to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we talk to them about it would be so much better for you if you would learn this particular lesson the easy way than learning it the hard way. But sometimes that is true even for those of us who are adults. And perhaps that is why so few of us learn what we really need to learn about this idea of obedience. Somewhere in the last six months before our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, he had this very specific, this very pointed conversation that we're going to be looking at this morning in Luke 17 with his disciples, and I would suggest to you as we look at the first 10 verses of this chapter this morning, that really this is a conversation about obedience. It may not appear to be so as we begin our lesson this morning, but I hope by the end of our lesson that we can tie all of this conversation together and see that Jesus really is talking to his disciples about this idea of obedience. And so what we want to do this morning is to look at that particular conversation and as we look at this conversation, to learn three lessons in obedience. The first lesson that we want to think about along these lines of obedience to our God is this, that obedience is something that is difficult. It is something that is not always easy. It is something that can be very hard for us. So let's read these four verses again, beginning Luke 17, beginning at verse 1. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. 
You know, as we think about this particular point here, which is where I believe Jesus is beginning with his disciples on this occasion, that obedience is hard, it is difficult. If obeying God were just an easy thing for us to do, if obeying God was even kind of a natural thing for us as those made in his image to do, I think almost everyone would do it. If it were not a difficult thing, everyone would be obedient to God in their life. But because oftentimes, at least as we look at the commands of God, sometimes from an earthly perspective or a human perspective, we may think that's a very difficult thing that God is asking us to do or not to do. Because sometimes we look at obedience as being a hard thing. There are few people, relatively speaking, that choose to live their life their way. There are few people, relatively speaking, who choose to walk in the way of obedience. Why is sometimes obedience so difficult for us? Again, wherever we are in life, whether we are still under the training of our parents, whether we're maybe a teenager and we're still at home and our parents are still guiding us and trying to lead us in the way of God, whether we're an employee, as our brother Russ talked to us a little bit about from 1 Peter chapter 2 last week, and we're under the authority maybe of our employer and our employer gives us a command or tells us to do something as we live as citizens in this country and we are under those who have been elected to office and they give us some command that we think is difficult. Why, why is it hard for us just as people to practice obedience? What is it about obedience that makes it hard to do? I think for those of us who are Christians and those of us who know our Bibles very well, we, we think perhaps as we think about what God has said to us in his word, as we think about the commands and the instructions that God has given us in his word, really knowing what God has said to us isn't that difficult. Uh, we just went through a whole week of studying from First and Second Peter, and I think Brother Russ kind of made this point over and over again, that the things that we were reading about from First and Second Peter, the things that he was discussing with us, are not really challenging things or very difficult statements for us to understand. They are instructions that are given by the Apostle Peter, Christ and God and the Holy Spirit, giving those instructions to him and he giving those to us. It's not difficult for us to understand that intellectually. Understanding most, I think, of what God says isn't that hard. Yes, there are some very difficult, challenging passages to be sure in the Word of God, but most of it I think we can understand. But here is where the difficulty comes in. Consistently living God's words, consistently living God's commands and God's instructions and trying to follow the examples that we see in Scripture of those who are pleasing to God, consistently living the words that we read in the Word of God day in and day out, Whatever our circumstances are, whether we're having a good day or a bad day, whether it's a very challenging day for us or whether it is a very pleasant day for us, that can be something that can be extremely hard for us to do. And it is hard because ourselves get in the way. Because self and sin rears its ugly head in our life and tries to convince us that we need to be people who are doing what we want to do rather than people who are submitting ourselves to God and doing what God has said we must do. And so obedience to God can be a difficult thing because it demands that we daily say no to ourselves and to our own desires and our own passions and say no daily to our own will while at the same time saying yes to God. I believe our Lord and Savior Jesus in this very same gospel, in Luke's gospel earlier back in chapter 9, as he is 
uh, told his disciples, his apostles here, of things that were quickly to come, that the Son of Man is going to be rejected, that he's going to be killed, that he is going to die, that he's going to be raised on the third day. Then he gives them the demands of discipleship, beginning at verse 23. It says in Luke 9 and verse 23 that he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He he is saying there that we've got to prove ourselves or show ourselves to be obedient children. We have to put self away. We have to be willing to bear our cross or carry our cross as Jesus carried his and we have to be willing to come and to follow him. And that's why obedience can be a very difficult thing, even for those of us who are adults, to do. So coming back to our text that we're looking at this morning in chapter 17 of the Gospel of Luke, I want you to just notice three difficult commands I I see here in these first four verses that Jesus gave his disciples then, but also for us today, to obey. The first one, we may not think of it because it's really not phrased as a command or an instruction as such, but notice what he says here in verses 1 and 2. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come in our lives, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. If you go back some into chapter 16, uh, Matthew begins there that chapter by talking about the little children being brought to Jesus. But I think when he comes to this particular section, he's not so much thinking about little children in age or little children in maturity from a physical standpoint, but he's thinking about these little ones, the ones who have made the decision to come and follow him, the ones like the disciples who have said that they're going to deny themselves. They're going to take up their cross every day and they're going to follow Jesus Christ. And I see in this, again, although it is not stated in so many words, that Jesus is saying, do not be a stumbling block to your brother or your sister. Do not in your life be an occasion or a temptation. Don't put a temptation to sin in front of a brother or sister. This is how serious this instruction is in verse 2. If you're going to do that, it's just better that you would hang this heavy, heavy millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea and be drowned. He says that's how important, that's how serious this instruction is that we make sure that we are not in our lives being a stumbling block to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. That can be a very difficult thing to do. Because we can be thinking just about ourselves and not thinking about someone else. Not thinking about what a brother or sister in Christ is going through or how they might perceive something that we might do. But secondly, I think he gets even clearer here as he gets to verse 3. And he says, you need to watch out. You need to be on the alert. You need to be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And so this second difficult command that Jesus gives to his disciples is, you rebuke one who sins. That can be a very difficult thing for us to do as well. It can be maybe if we are very good friends with someone who is a fellow brother or sister in Christ, we might think, in the, at least in the back of our mind, if I talk to this brother or sister in Christ about this sin that I see is in their life, that they're going to shun me, that they are going to ridicule me, that the, this relationship is going to be over. And certainly as we see sin in someone's life and we point that out to them, we need to do that with a Christ-like attitude. I don't believe Jesus is saying here, you just get mean and nasty with one another. 
But still the point is made, the instruction is given. If you see a brother who is sinning, we have the responsibility, as Paul would say in Galatians 6 and verse 1, if we view ourselves as being spiritual people, spiritually minded people, then we're going to try to restore that one in a spirit of gentleness. But then the third difficult command that he gives here is found at the end of verse 3 into verse 4. And he says, if your brother repents, then you forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, you forgive him. Just as hard and as difficult as it can be sometimes for us to see a brother or sister in Christ that is leaving the Lord, that is going in the wrong direction, that is allowing sin to overtake their life, it can be just as difficult for us to forgive one who acknowledges that they have sinned. One who, who agrees with God's word that whatever is in their life is sin because God has identified that as so in his word. But they have this heart of repentance that they're going to turn away from that and they're going to go in the right direction. They're going to walk with God now. And Jesus says at verse 4, kind of like he said in, a, in another conversation with Peter, you know, Peter asking the question, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive someone who sins? And Jesus said in that particular passage, 70 times 7, Jesus says here at verse 4, If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, we are to forgive him. Jesus doesn't give us an out for that. He says if a brother comes to you and he just maybe repeats the same sin multiple times and he repents of that sin and he repents of that sin again and again and again, that we are to forgive him. And that can be very difficult for us to do as well. So I see three challenging, three difficult commands here, even in this conversation that Jesus has in Luke 17. How can we then consistently obey these and other hard commands? Well, I think the answer is the answer that I give to a lot of things. And that is we can do so by looking to our perfect example, our great example, Jesus Christ himself. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews for just a moment. There's an interesting thing uh, that uh, the Hebrews writer uh, tells us here about Jesus Christ as he walked in this world. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 8, the writer says to us here, talking about Jesus Christ, that although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Yes, Jesus Christ, as the writer is making very clear to us, not only here in the book of Hebrews, but throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ is God. He is God in the flesh. He has come and he has lived in human form. He understands what it is like to live in this world. He was tempted by the devil, not only in the wilderness, as we read about that in Mark, uh, Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4, but he was tempted at other points along his earthly journey. He understands what it is like for us to live in this world. And the writer says to us at verse 8, even though he was a son, he was a son of God, that he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. As our Lord, as our Master, Jesus did not give us difficult commands to obey and then himself take the easy way out when it came to a command and instruction that his Father had given to him, when it came to the point where he was going to do his father's will or his own. He made his will, of course, his father's will. But he obeyed even his father's very difficult commands, his hard commands as well. He learned obedience, we might say, as we began our sermon. 
We might say about Jesus that he learned obedience the hard way through the things that he suffered, the writer says here. He resisted temptation when the devil tempted him. He always said no and used the word of God to resist that temptation. When he dealt with evil people throughout his life, that was something that was, I'm sure, very difficult as he suffered through that. Certainly as he was dying upon the cross. The writer of Philippians, Paul, talks to us about Jesus as he suffered in obedience and the connection between those two. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 at verse 8, Philippians 2 and verse 8, Paul says here, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you think that Jesus, at least from a human perspective, was looking forward to the suffering of the cross? This was something, it seems to me, that he was dreading, something that he knew that he was going to have to do to fulfill his Father's will. But as he suffered mightily, greatly upon the cross, he was learning, I believe, obedience to his Father. And so for us today, when we look through God's Word, when we read through the Word of God, when we think about the Word of God, when we find a divine command that is difficult for us to obey, we need to look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to look to Him to find faith and to find strength to obey Him so that we will enjoy eternal salvation with Him. As the Hebrews writer says, He has become the author of salvation to those who obey Him. Obedience is not always an easy thing. It can be something that can be very hard for us to do. Secondly, as we come back to our text here for this morning in Luke chapter 17, I notice verses 5 and 6, and I believe Jesus tells us something else about obedience, that obedience requires faith on our part. Beginning at verse 5, the apostles said to him as they're listening to Jesus and him giving them these challenging, difficult commands for them to carry out in their life and their relationships with one another. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Given the difficulty of the task that Jesus has already mentioned to his apostles in this particular text, is it any wonder that they asked Jesus to increase their faith? I think they realized that these demands that Jesus was making of them, that this was going to be something that would be difficult for them to do. They realized maybe about their faith that it wasn't at the level that it needed to be, that they needed the Lord Jesus Christ to increase their faith, to cause it to grow, to cause it to be something that was deeper so that they could carry out God's will. The apostles at this particular point have been with Jesus for about three years now. And so they certainly were people who had faith in his words. And yet they knew that their faith needed to grow stronger, that their faith needed to grow deeper, that their faith even needed to grow wider if they were going to be able to carry out not just these three commands in this text, but anything that God would demand of them. And, I, you know, sometimes we are hard on the apostles. Sometimes we are hard on people that we read in the Bible. Sometimes we have the tendency to elevate them and put them on a pedestal where maybe they don't belong. But at the same time, sometimes we can just read passages about people and their lack of faith, even the apostles' lack of faith in Jesus from time to time throughout the Gospels. And we can think, why didn't they get that? What is wrong with them? 
But I want to ask you this morning, as you think about yourself, can you put yourself in the apostles' shoes? Are you someone who can relate to the request of the apostles here? Because I can, certainly. Do you need the Lord Jesus Christ to increase your faith, to obey His commands, even those that you read in Scripture that can be very difficult, things that maybe challenge you greatly, things that God asks you to do that perhaps you don't want to do on some level? So how do we increase our faith? Well, I want you again to listen to Christ's answer here at verse 6. He says to his disciples, as they ask him this request, here's his reply. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Jesus answered their request by saying, if they had faith like a mustard seed. If they just had this kind of faith that is like a mustard seed, that's similar to a mustard seed, they could obey His commands even when those commands demand a lot of us. We're not very familiar, I would assume, most of us here this morning with mustard seeds. (laughs) Maybe our only familiarity with mustard seeds is what we can read in the Bible. And Jesus does talk several times about mustard seeds. I want you to go back to the Gospel of Matthew as He tells a little parable here in Matthew 13 in the midst of all these parables, trying to help us to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31, uh, Matthew records for us there that he, Jesus, presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The mustard seed is among the smallest of all the seeds. And I think Jesus certainly knew that, and our audience of Matthew 13 knew that, and the disciples that he's talking to here in Luke chapter 17 knew that. And yet, even though it is a very small seed, maybe something that would be insignificant to us that we might not even notice... He says when that seed is planted, when it is watered, when it is weeded, when it is cultivated, it grows into this large, useful tree or bush or plant. And then it provides shade. It provides comfort for all the birds of the air. And I believe that Jesus is saying back here in Luke 17, this is the kind of faith that you need to have, that our faith needs to be like that small seed. And so we may try to make the connection here. What is the connection between having faith or a mustard seed rather? What does that have to do with growing our faith? I believe the point, the answer is this. Just like Jesus talked about the mustard seed back in Matthew 13. That our faith, we must plant our faith. We must be people who are watering our faith. We must be people who are getting weeds out of our faith. And we must do all of that activity with the Word of God for our faith to grow to the point that we can obey even the most difficult, the most challenging of God's commands as we read them in Scripture. Because having this kind of faith, a strong, vibrant, ever-increasing faith in God, it enables us to do hard things. It enables us to look out for our brothers and sisters in Christ and as much as possible to avoid being a stumbling block to them. It enables us to have the strength and the courage and the energy that we need to rebuke a brother who sins. It enables us to have the strength that we need, the faith that we need to forgive a brother who repents and to truly forgive them 
and to not hold a grudge against them or not bring that sin up once again. But it also allows us to produce seemingly impossible results in our own lives. Like, as Jesus says here in Luke chapter 17, moving a mulberry tree from one place to another. And we are so blessed as we sit in this point in history that we have just numerous examples throughout the Word of God of men and women whose growing faith in God allowed them, it gave them the strength and the courage that they needed to obey God's difficult commands. And you might already be thinking here in your mind to Hebrews chapter 11, as we have so many great examples of people of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, and we could look at a number of these examples this morning, but I want to just pick out two to think about Noah and then to think about Abraham. Notice what the writer says to us in Hebrews 11 and verse 7 about Noah. It says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Drop down to verse 17. By, Ab- by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received, who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, And Isaac your descendant shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. How was Noah able to do something that maybe he thought was impossible to do or something that he thought was very difficult to do? Uh, I don't know if rain had fallen on the earth at this particular point or not. There are many people who think that it hadn't, but certainly a worldwide flood had never occurred. And God was instructing Noah to take he and his sons to build this big boat and to think about how difficult that would have been for Noah to do if he was looking at that particular uh, command from an earthly standpoint, an earthly perspective. But the writer is making the point to us here all throughout this letter or throughout this chapter that it was by faith that Noah was able to build this particular ark. What about Abraham when God came to him and said, I want you to sacrifice your only son, your son of promise. And it took faith for Abraham to obey that particular difficult command. So how were Noah and Abraham and others able to obey God's hard commands? It is by faith, by our faith in God that we trust Him enough. And that's what obedience does for us. Obedience to do the difficult things certainly requires faith in God. It requires faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. It requires that we are convicted that God's commands, God's instructions are right, even if we don't understand why He's asking us to do some particular thing or what the result or outcome is going to be. It requires trust that we that God's commands will work if we will carry them out in our life. Again, we may not know how all that's going to work out for us, And it requires that we surrender our will to do His will. And so I believe as Jesus was looking at the apostles here in this conversation back in Luke chapter 17 and thinking about the faith that they had or perhaps didn't have at this particular point, we all need to be asking ourselves the question, do we have this kind of faith? Do we have a faith that will... We will submit to God whatever He asks of us. Do we have a faith that we trust that whatever God has said to us, whatever instruction He has given us in His Word, 
that he knows what is right. Do you, do all of us maybe need to do as the apostles did here and ask our Lord to increase our faith? And then the third and final lesson I want us to pull out of Luke 17 is found beginning at verse 7. And that is this lesson that obedience is our duty as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ. Luke 17, beginning at verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Obedience, even if we were able to offer perfect and complete obedience, as Jesus says here at the end of this conversation, even when we have done all the things that our God has commanded us to do, he makes the point that it earns us absolutely nothing from our Lord Jesus Christ. Even when our faith has grown to the point, as we just talked about, that we are carrying out Christ's commands, even the difficult commands that are very challenging for us, he says we're nothing special. We are not anything extraordinary. We are simply doing our master's will. And so maybe in this conversation, as he is talking to the apostles, lest they begin to think that they were something special because, hey, we have done this and we have done that and we have done this over here. I think Jesus was giving them a dose of humility and he was also giving them a dose of reality and reminding them that when they fully obeyed him, they were really nothing more than unprofitable or unworthy servants or slaves As the NET translates it here, people who were undeserving of special praise. And why is that? Because of this point that I have here on the screen. Because obedience to our God is our duty. I think Brother Russ kind of made this point in at least one or two of his lessons last week that we are not people who are trying to obey God to earn our salvation or to earn God's favor or anything like that. But because God has shown His grace and His mercy to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, it is something that God expects of us if we are going to come and follow His Son that we have to be people who have totally given ourselves to Him. We have to be people who are going to be completely obedient to Him. I think maybe some of these words that we are using this morning and even that Jesus uses here in this conversation, these ideas of duty, this this idea of obedience that we're speaking of this morning, the idea of service or slavery, that a lot of those kinds of concepts are largely lost on our generation. But I believe the people of Christ's day knew all about that. I think about a conversation that Jesus had, you might remember, in Luke chapter 7 with the centurion that had a slave who was about to die. And he had enough faith and trust in in Jesus that he said, all you need to do is just come and talk to my slave and and he will be healed. Uh, And this man understood authority. This this man understood what it was like to have someone over him and someone under him. He understood this concept of obedience and doing what one is commanded to do is exactly what those who were in the Roman military did. It's what soldiers did. It's what servants did back during this particular time. 
And yet, even though our obedience to our Lord is our duty, the amazing thing about our Master in Heaven is that He rewards us for being this kind of person. He rewards us for being faithful, obedient servants. You might remember the parable of the talents that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25. And what He says to the two and the five talent men as He returns home and has an accounting of what they have done. At verse 21 and 23, he says the same thing to both of those servants. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. For you were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Our master in heaven is watching us. He knows whether we're trying to be obedient children or not. And if we are, he is going to reward us one day for being that kind of person. Obedience, again, to our Heavenly Master certainly does not earn us eternal life. But obedience is what He expects. It is a duty that each of us who have chosen to follow His Son, Jesus Christ, it is what we owe to Him. And so as you think about your own life this morning, as you think about your own relationship with God, are you fulfilling your duty? Are you carrying out your duty as we come across commands in the Word of God that may be very difficult for us to do, that there is a part of us that maybe we don't want to do those things. We just kind of want to shy away from that. But we need to remember that obedience to God is our duty. Wherever we are, again, in life, whether we are young or old, whether we are a child or a parent, all of us need to learn these lessons of obedience so that when our Lord becomes our judge, we will hear him say these great words that we just read there in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. What about you this morning? Are you in living a life of obedience to God? If you're not, God has made provision for you to come into his presence, to come into a relationship with him, to be saved from your sins through his son, Jesus Christ. And you can come this morning confessing your faith that you truly do believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. You can come this morning being the one who needs to repent. And God will know truly if you have repented or not. You might be able to fool a lot of people with even your words or some of your actions, but you can't fool God. And then having repented, turned away from your sins to turn to God and to do His will, we would be happy to baptize you into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you can devote the rest of your life here on earth to being an obedient child to Him. If you have started that process at some point in your life in the past and you are slipping away, you're going down the wrong path, maybe you're proving yourself to be a disobedient child, then you need to acknowledge that to God. He already knows. You may need to confess that to someone else if you have wronged them or sinned against them in some way. But then to get back to this uh, goal, this mission, this work of fulfilling your Father's will in your life. And when the difficult commands come and the difficult times come, to ask for God's help and to ask for the strength that He can give through His Son, Jesus Christ, to carry out those things and to be obedient children to Him. Whatever your need might be as we're about to sing uh, this invitation song, if you know that you're not right with God, then we would encourage you to make your way to the front and to let your request be made known. Won't you do that now as we stand and as we sing?